Okay, so we should probably start. Yeah, let's get, this is mostly garbage. Yeah, let's, <laughs> uh, not unlike most of what we do. Hi there. No. I always try to go so fast because I, I want to catch right you by surprise. It. I know. So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I am Christopher. I'm Drew. And we do not have a guest today. No, we do not. We do not have any guests. It's just Drew and me. Me and Drew. I guess I'll tell you about what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, I am returning to a an last summer's uh, just us episode or one of our one of our just us episodes from I think it was last summer. It was last summer. Um, we had a drink called Angry at the Sun, which I like a beer cocktail, um, and I am always trying to get you more into them. Still baffled. A shandy, I Conception. think. Yeah. But isn't a shandy re- just like a beer with fruit juice in it? Yeah, it is. So this really isn't a shandy either because I'm putting alcohol into yeah. the beer. Yeah. Um, which some people would say is overkill. Uh, but I say, put more alcohol in the alcohol. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that, the last one was Angry at the Sun, and that was Miller High Life, my favorite beer. Um, now we're moving into the Corona world. Not a not, favorite beer. Not a favorite beer. It's a fine beer. I like Corona. I mean, it's I don't fine. particularly like light beers, period. But if if I must. Corona. Yeah. Well, and this isn't even a Corona Light. It's a Corona Extra yeah. that I put this in. And then, uh, but before I even fussed with a beer bottle, I had a, I put tequila, lime, and a quick simple syrup and shook that up and I put that over ice and then poured the beer on top. And uh, it's a lovely drink. It tastes... Yeah, summery. Like summer to it's me. The end, it's the end of summer and yeah, let's hit it. So this version of my beer cocktailness, this one is called... The Frayed Knot, which is a reference. It's a reference to the book we're going to talk about yeah. later. And an exceptional joke. One of the best. One of the best. One of the best. You probably know it. Yep. And if you don't, maybe I'm sorry. We'll, maybe we'll put it on the Patreon or something. <laughs> speaking of. Speaking of. Uh, we we have a Patreon. We've had it for a little while. And, and we we love all of you people, all of you fantastic patrons that have already um, pledged to us. We. We can't believe how great it's been already. Yeah, it's nice to say that we are listener-supported. We are a listener-supported show now. But okay, so you're here to hear us talk about books. And so let's talk about what we bought. Yeah! Drew, what did you buy? Well, summer is pretty much over i guess uh some people will say that you know meteorologically it goes until mid-september but we all know we all know that it doesn't and so i've started purchasing my october reads oh of course you have uh for those who don't know and by god there have to be very few of you at this point uh i really i love a spooky book in october in october Mm -hmm. uh so i've picked up two recently that i'm very excited about one is broken river by j robert lennon Mm -hmm. i'm excited it looks like a neat twist on a haunted house novel with some sort of mysterious overseer character who just sort of like watches all of the action Mm -hmm. and 
the other one, I think maybe the book I'm most excited about for this October, Edgar Cantero's Meddling Kids. Oh, yeah. Very um, cool looking book. I'm very excited about that. Loved the supernatural enhancements. Yeah, that was a neat one. And this uh, uh, riff on Scooby-Doo set, you know, like 20 years after they've stopped solving mysteries. I can't wait. It kind of reminds me of one of my absolute favorite novels ever, Joe Mino's The Boy Detective Fails. Oh, yeah. Which picks up sort of a um, a single detective, like a kid detective as as an adult rather than like a group. So it's I this is this is within the genre of uh picking up on uh on teenage sleuths as they get older. Yeah. And I love that genre. Yeah. Plus my copy I got it at uh Books Are Magic and he had gone in and done some illustrations uh with his signature. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, how about you? What do you bought? Um you know, actually, this is probably my October country book, too, because uh, Victor Laval, yeah. he, he tends to do some scary, spooky stuff. And this book, The Changeling, um, it looks like it's his, like, fairy magic book. Yeah, I'm uh, excited about it. That's what, on my list for the fall, too. Um, and it's a gorgeous hardcover. And, uh, you know, some of our listeners have even told us that it's a really great uh, book. So I'm really, really excited to check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I've actually never read any Victor Laval and I also thought his name was Victor Levi cause I just wanted to turn those two L's into it. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. All it's right. one of those things where you never know cause you only read these names out. You don't, you don't say them out loud. <laughs> you know, words, letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pleasing sounds. Yeah. Muck duck. Muck duck. Murder. Murder. Sure. <gasps> We're doing a thing here uh, we've done once before. Yes, we uh, we're diving into the backlist. Yeah, we don't we do a lot of new fiction um, stuff that's coming out as we are covering it, and uh, we also realize that that means we don't read a lot of the backlist of some of the authors that we've really loved. Yeah, and it's we we started this with Donna Tart because we realized that we loved her first and third book but had never read the second, which is bizarre. Yeah, and so as we've sort of kicked it around, it's like there are a bunch of other authors who we really love, but there are books, sometimes major works, that for whatever reason, both of us have missed. Right, and so this time we chose Jonathan Lethem, who, this was your choice because you won. The, um, oh, yeah. You chose our, the, the book we were going to read for this because you won um, the Morning News Tournament of Books bet. Um, and this was your choice. Yeah, I we both really like... Lethem. Yes. Um, we've both read several. You? I've only read one other one. For real? No, I've read two other ones. That's right. I've um, read Amnesia Moon and I read um, his sort of breakout of Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of, the Fortress of Solitude. Um, so I had read Fortress of Solitude, Girl in Landscape, and Chronic City. Mm-hmm. And Chronic City is uh, one of, like, it's not quite one of my all time favorites. But it lives in sort of that like rarefied air. You're not quite a full god, but it's like the step down on Mount Olympus, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, and I thought it was curious as I was thinking about like who's an author who I really like where I'm missing something. And I realized Motherless Brooklyn is kind of the, a turning point for Lethem. The guy who we know now, the sort of much more famous uh he this is right before fortress of solitude Mm -hmm. um and it 
it marks a turn away from his sort of stranger beginnings. Right. Um, you know, with like kangaroos with guns and alien planets. Right. And he wrote one of the very first dystopian novels that I've read. Amnesia Moon is actually a dystopian novel. Yeah. Um, he was up ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> uh, too far ahead, really. Well. Uh, so, but this one, Motherless Brooklyn, it's fascinating because it's about um, a guy with Tourette's and, yeah. he, and it's first person and he is uh, an employee at a low level um, small time crook, basically. Yeah, they, they're they a, a detective agency, quote unquote, but it's clear that they are... They are PIs in the same way that some of like the classic noir PIs were like maybe on the wrong side of the law. Oh yeah, and they're a little bit. I don't know. They can even be sort of like in, in that in the way that the mob has anything to do mm-hmm. with cement mixing. Um, you know, that's well, well put. That's how these guys are to private detecting. Um, and but I think that all of the all of the plot all the machinations of the actual plot of this book really don't didn't quite matter to me interesting Did you find this i didn't really care about the central mystery that much i mean i was glad for it to move us across the pages right but i was just that feels very noir to me i feel like many times when i read especially some of the classic noir i end up not really caring so much about like okay is he gonna figure out who stole this woman's money or whatever and instead it is an opportunity to dive deep into the mind of a character questions of morality or of a city or of a and this one is definitely you know you you could say that brooklyn is (laughs) another character although funny enough this book starts on the upper east side yeah um for a book called motherless brooklyn yeah which threw me for a loop there's a lot of upper east side moving actually moving around it's funny i so i right after reading this i went and reread chronic city Mm -hmm. which is almost entirely set on the upper east side and i was thinking about how this book bounces between both fortress is kind of his great brooklyn novel chronic city is his great manhattan novel i moved to dean street at, like right after I finished Fortress of Solitude, <laughs> which um, was just a coincidence. But when it happened, I was like really excited about it for yeah. some reason. Actually, and I also listened to that book. That's a great book to listen to, Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. It's a really good um, good audiobook narrator, good good marriage of voice to, you know, content. But here, um, Lionel is our, is our main character. Yep. And uh, he is an orphan as well. Um, and that's the uh, that's the motherless Brooklyn of motherless Brooklyn is all of the people in uh, great the, discovery of title the yeah. L and L, uh, which is the name of the uh, private detective agency they work Slash for. Car service. Uh, yeah, and uh, even though there's no machination, I mean the plot doesn't quite matter. There are there is a plot, and it's very important. To, and it moves. It moves along at yeah. a fast clip. Honestly, I was surprised at how fast this book moves. I was really left wanting more of of Lionel. He's such an interesting character. Yeah. Uh, I I I was also a little alarmed. I don't know if you're gonna um, see eye to eye with me on this, but I was a little alarmed at how many of the things that he describes wanting to do are things that I'm like, oh yeah. Like I was really <laughs> seeing myself in in his. Because I like to play the sort of 
uh, word games in my head that he plays. Sure. And I was thinking like, this is such actually a portrait of like a writer's mind at work in the, in the way that like there's his obsessions, random obsessions of, they've got to be the random obsessions of Jonathan Lethem himself, you know, like, like when he gets really into prints and talks about all the prints stuff, I'm like, this is because Jonathan Lethem is way into prints. It's definitely like Jonathan Lethem likes prints. So he gave that to Lionel, not like Lionel's into prints. Like I was discovering that about his character. Right. There's something about this novel coming right before Fortress in the same way that Revolver comes right before Sergeant Peppers. Mm -hmm. Like this is the novel where it feels like Lethem is like, okay, check me out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to dump all of the shit that I am super into, whether it is diving deep in music or like there are these moments um, where all of a sudden the narrative is slightly interrupted and you can tell it's, it's Lionel, but it's not really, it's Jonathan. Like, have you ever felt in the course of reading a detective novel, a guilty thrill of relief at having a character murdered before he can step onto the page and burden you with his actual existence? Detective stories always have too many characters anyway. (laughs) And I had this moment as I was reading it and I was like, all right, smart ass yeah but also there's something kind of charming about it when you think you know this book was 1999 and so you think about oh yeah he's swinging for the fences well yeah and this was the beginning of this sort of i don't know post post modern novel of Mm -hmm. of the taking of the genre elements and putting them into a literary novel right um i know that a friend of the show, Lev Grossman, likes to point to uh, Motherless Brooklyn as like, this is a genre novel that was pulled into literature um, via whatever means. Right. And so this was right at the cusp of, of a lot of people deciding to, oh, like, I want to use a, the conventions of a genre novel to tell my literary fiction story. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine we wouldn't have novels like Zone One. Right. Without, without Motherless Brooklyn. I think you're right. Um, Colson Whitehead's that's his zombie one his zombie yeah you, you were talking a little bit about not worrying about the plot so much and I'm curious without giving too much away how the sort of the typical noir, the traffics of the typical noir, like the info dump at the end mm-hmm. as he's rushing towards this conclusion. Did the genre ever overwhelm? Did the genre ever overwhelm sort of the rest of what was going on? For no, you? no, never. Um, I, I was happy for the genre to, to keep um, Lethem on the page and keep him moving. Um, and I was also excited that like, you know, that's part of the what I understand of Tourette's is it's so based on all of the things of the surrounding and environment. And, you know, you just keep wanting to see how he's going to react in any of these situations. Right. So the more that he moved and the more that he ended up in different things and also along with the... Tr- trappings of noir you know he's gonna have to talk to a lot of people you know at some point he's Mm -hmm. gonna have to be quiet (laughs) and he won't be able to be yeah um and i wonder if you ever felt like he dropped the tourette's thing for too long did Mm. you ever find that because that was something that i felt a little bit that i there were points where i was like wait a minute he hasn't had any difficulty and this is without knowing 
it's not like I'm coming at this as a Tourette's scholar who knows a lot about the um, the disability. I mean, frankly, I'd be curious to know how much research Letham did and how uh, how close he wants this to be to reality. I think he did a lot. I mean, he thanks Oliver Sacks at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, which he he's written extensively on Tourette's. And, yeah. he, and there's a couple other... It seems like he he did his due diligence and of course but he can still use the i was writing fiction right i was writing my take i think yeah there are definitely moments where you feel that and he tries to get around it at times there are moments where because of of various interactions that he has or things that happen where he feels it it calms inside of him for a moment right actually that's one of the really beautiful I'm sorry, I'm taking the football. No, go for it. Uh, that's one of the really beautiful relationships in this book mm-hmm. is is his relationship with this woman uh, whose name is Kimmery. Yeah. Um, and we should say that a lot of the book takes place on the Upper East Side, as you were saying, in a Zen center. Yeah. Uh, and Kimmery is someone who is seeking Zen in her life. So she's cleaning up uh, the Zendo and fixing things. Um, and she's just a fantastic character. I, I loved getting to know her. Uh, yeah. Although I've never heard the name Kimmery before, have you? No. I mean, that I will say this. Lethem has a way with naming people. Oh, he really does. Lionel Srog. Uh-huh. Great. And then every single name in Chronic City is just Chase Instedman, <laughs> Perkis Tooth. I I completely understand the instinct of wanting to have a pretty crazy name. I think this is is true because we live in New York. But getting to walk around and see these like this one universe over versions of of neighborhoods and places that we live um it's it's really cool to be like, "Oh, so like this is where L&L's storefront was on Court Street, Smith Street?" Mhm. There's some stuff that he goes into, something really specific. There was there's a there's a place where he always like the the character Lionel always likes to get sandwiches and he mm-hmm. explains that like he likes to get a sandwich here because when he layers the meat it's like softer and it they has catch more... it in the hand so it gets it folds a little more so there's air in it so when you compress the yeah yeah instead of it being like one like really thick and I completely understand that uh-huh. I also know the sandwich place that does the sandwich the way I like it. <laughs> so, and it's, and I actually used to live on Flatbush up closer to where, um, Oh yeah. Where L is. So I, I, I think I could even point to where that deli deli was. Yeah. It's kind of fun. That stuff is really fun. I, I, if, if you don't live in New York, I think you should still read this book, but you should also read something set where you live, wherever it is. Yeah. It's really cool to be able to walk around and, point to something and say like ah i know that place totally i would love to discover that the lethem novels are actually a shared universe in the same way because donna tart um abernathy i believe shows up Mm -hmm. frank shows up in goldfinch which means goldfinch and secret history are connected yep I'm not sure if little and friend... they're connected to the Brady Snellis verse, but that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Um, so, 
I would love that if Lethem had a shared universe where Lionel shows up in Chronic City. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or... Even just, yeah, little thing That would have been cool. It's not, there's a lot of shit set on East 84th Street, but <laughs> nothing about the Zendo. That's and how simple would it have been, Jonathan, to just drop in a little sentence for your dedicated fans? I wonder. I, I would love to talk to someone with... Um, I, I, we should have asked this when we had Francine Prose in or, or mm-hmm. uh, like the... Is, is there an instinct towards a shared universe or is like Stephen King just a weirdo? <laughs> Stephen King and Donna Tartt, I do feel bunch like of weirdos. Those, yeah, those are two questions. Do I have an instinct towards a shared universe? Let's talk about that in a minute. Is Stephen King a weirdo? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, So how do you feel having added this to your Lethem collection? Are you glad that we had the chance to sort of pause and go back? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it just makes me even sadder that I don't read faster uh, because <laughs> like there's so much that I'd like to read and so many, com- so many authors who I'd like to complete mm-hmm. or just go back and read a few more of their books. Sure. You know, it's been ages since I've read a Murakami um, yeah, it's been uh, such a long time since even Jesse Ball, who you uh, who you were recommending a couple episodes ago, like I really want to read a couple of his older books. Yeah, and it's just like, when do I find the time? And th- this this one is another one where I was meaning to read it for ages and ages and ages. I'm so glad I did, and I also don't know how some upstart actor hasn't bought this and oh, really. Yeah. Tr- I bet you this is one of those developmental hell. Uh, movies that uh, I'm sure yeah that is, ha, was supposed to come out 500 times <laughs> um yeah I, I loved going back to this and I love I love Lethem you know he I've I've enjoyed every book of his that I've read and I really want to go read Chronic City of course next yeah um what about you yeah I was really I was really happy to do it to to revisit Lethem who I haven't read honestly in several years mm-hmm. um and to be reminded of how much I enjoy his work and the particular pleasures of his work. Um, and I mean, it, yeah, it prompted me to go reread chronic city immediately. And I talk about not having time to do things. It's Mm. like, I don't, I don't have time quote unquote to reread stuff. I've got too many other things that I need to read. Um, but it, it ended up providing a really lovely pleasure to sort of see where he came from and where he ended up going and to recontextualize that later book for me. Oh my God. I've read another Lethem. I just realized. Which one? Uh, his absolute newest one. Oh, gamblers. Anatomy. Anatomy. I haven't read it yet. I have it sitting on my shelf. That's so funny. I completely forgot about it. I read too many books. Would you say you read? Usually at this point in the show, we talk about another book that we want to recommend, but I think we're both heartily recommending Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah. And instead, we are going to cede our time to uh, to some friends of ours, some, yeah. some listeners who support the show. Yes. At both the $5 and $10 level, um, we ask for our listeners to give us a recommendation in the same way that we give recommendations to you. Some pretty cool 
So first up from Ashley Gillard, we have Security by Gina Walsdorf. Uh, she says, it's a murder mystery written from the POV of hotel security cameras. I was a little confused at first because some pages have up to four cameras going at once. It is now one of my favorite books. Sounds awesome. I'm super excited. I actually have it sitting on my shelf and I, because of this recommendation, am adding it to my October country reading list. Awesome. Uh, next up from Lisa Nelson, we have The Animators by Carla Ray Whitaker. Blew me away. It's an amazing novel of the friendship and business partnership of two women who meet in college and go on to become successful animators. It's raised the bar for female friendship coming of age novels. That's cool. Didn't you end up finding a copy of that with that was the annotations? Yeah, that was um that was an annotated copy that i picked up i thought it was just the the readers and annotations but it turns out that there's a book club uh that does this oh and it has the author do those and then they print them uh on post-it notes that's neat really cool on post-it notes cool huh cool so so, uh i have a copy and it definitely just moved up on my reading list uh next up from twitter friend at hog sandwich uh, Suzanne recommends Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. She says, It's startling and very strange and has phenomenal, delicious writing. And it belongs to that upper echelon of books that people get tattoos of. Ooh. Which, yeah. y- you hear that and you're like, Oh, I know what kind of book this is. Cool. Uh, a literary tattoo. They're so cool. Yeah. And it's hard to go wrong with Tom Robbins. That guy's crazy and weird. and Totally. Yeah. And our last one. Yes, our last one uh, comes from my sister, Sarah, who is a sweetheart for supporting her brother's show. (laughs) And she says, Christopher knows that I'm going to recommend The Name of the Wind as my book. He knows why. And I do know why. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, I would. I actually don't know exactly why my sister would recommend this book in particular, other than she loves it. Um, she loves it a lot, and and tried to get me to read it, and eventually succeeded. And she was right. I love it too. That's the that Patrick Rothfuss. Patrick Rothfuss is Name of the Wind. Um, it's one of these unfinished trilogies that you wonder. The first two books came out really quickly, and then the third one we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And I think we might wait until death because I don't think <laughs> that's that's always the kicker, you know. It is always the kicker. Looking at you, George. Yeah, Mr. Railroad Martin. And that's it for our recommendations from our Patreon people for for this episode. Uh, if if you want to recommend a book and are not a patron, that's just at the five dollar a month level. Yeah. And um, um, also at the 10, if you want to jump up to 10 and get bookish mail as well and recommend a book, you could do that. Yeah. We got, we got some cool ideas we coming do. up for we the do. stuff we're going to mail later this year. So, so thank but you until then there's reading to do so much for listening to our show also. Yeah. That's we really appreciate it. And, uh, we really hope you are going to go read some books and, uh, hope you all had a great summer. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks again. Bye. I can speak for my conversational skills at Gobble Tea. I know how to do 1066. Got shot in the eye with a long pointy stick.
think I know the exact order okay. of everything Woody says. Go it's, for it. Howdy, partner. My name's Woody. You're my favorite deputy. Yeehaw, cowboy. There's a snake in my boots. That's all the Woody said. My name is Judge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my. I get 